I really believe as we've worshipped today that there is, as Dill said, there is victory in the camps of the righteous. And so God, there's a, declare, there's a declaration over our lives that we didn't do it, but God did it for us. Um, just to uh, get you going, um, there's this joke about a couple because we're in the series around relationships and they married and the husband is really depressed. He's down and out. He's not feeling good. And eventually the wife says, listen, I think we need to go and see someone for some help. So they go and see a psychologist and they book an appointment. They get inside and, and the wife's talking and talking and talking. Eventually the, the doctor says, sorry, just one moment, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. Do you mind if you just leave and go back to the car park? I just want to talk to your wife for a second. And so anyway, uh, he leaves and then the wife's there and, and the doctor looks at the wife and says, listen, I think I have a solution for your problem. And she like leans forward and says, tell me, doc. And he says, well, for the next 30 days, I want you to get up in the morning. I want to make your husband, before he goes to work, make him a nice breakfast. And then before he leaves the house, I want you to give him a 30-second kiss on the lips and tell him you love him. Otherwise, he's going to die. And with that, the wife said, hey, is that all, doc? And he said, that's all. She got up, she paid the receptionist, went back, got in the car. As she got in the car, the husband turned to the wife and said, so what did the doc say? The wife looked at him for a moment and says, you're going to die. Gonna let that settle for a moment. <laughs> and it's so true. We're in relationships, and you know what? None of us here's the good news, guys. Or actually, bad news is none of us were born into a perfect family. We were all born into a dysfunctional family. I want to blame Adam and Eve, but that's the reality. We were. We were born into it. But here's the thing: there's no perfect family, but there are blessed families. There's no perfect marriage, but there are blessed marriages. There's no perfect children, but there are blessed children. Here's what I want to say, just as a preempt to this today, is that, you know what, sometimes in life, you know, we get in church and we're like, give me the next thing, give me the next thing, give me the next thing. And we strive for perfection and we want to get there, get there. But you know what, what happens if we continue to strive for that, we miss out on what God's already given us. I'm striving for the perfect marriage, but what about the one you have? I'm striving for the perfect children, but what about the gift that God's given you already? And so sometimes what we can do in the pursuit of perfection, miss out on the imperfect God's given us by grace. And look around the table at night and go, thank you, God, for this beautiful spouse. Thank you, God, for this amazing family. I think just as we set out for that, let's settle our hearts that, you know what, we might not be where we want to be. And we're not where we were one day. But praise be to God, I am where I am today. Because I'm on a journey. The gospel is not just inspiration or motivation, it's transformation. And it's not gonna happen in a microwave. It's gonna happen over time, but slowly, steadily, surely, God's doing his work in you. 1 Thessalonians chapter five, it says this, right at the end of his letter, he says this, God is faithful, surely he will do it. God is faithful, not I'm faithful. God is faithful, surely he's gonna do it in your life. That's the good news of the gospel. I wanna to go to a letter today, 1 Thessalonians. Dubs uh, preached so well last week. Little, little practical tips, guard your heart, love well, find your identity, just amazing tips around relationships. But today I also, I wanna get practical because this is a practical series. And I know that God wants a healthy family for you. But here's what I wanna say. Before it's a healthy family or a healthy marriage or healthy children, it starts with a healthy you. And just recently I had a conversation with someone. I'd never met him before. I had a conversation. He was going through some relational problems. And he said these words to me in exasperation and frustration. How do I change? How do I change? 
And I think back over the 20 years I've been involved in pastoral ministry, it's the one question above any other question that people have always asked me, how do I change? Isn't that true? Life happens and things happen, whatever. And to be honest, all of us are asking, how do I change from the inside? He made a comment like this, which hit me between the eyes. You know, someone said to me, you go to church, but nothing's changed. Which makes me realize that beliefs primarily don't bring change. It makes me realize that, you know what, why is it that we can believe in God and we know that he loves us and we know all the scriptures, but we still can't change? How is it that that happens? Well, I believe that today God wants to give us an answer on how to change. You, you wanna know how to change? You, I'll tell you what, your, your children wanna know how to change. You wanna change in your marriage? You wanna change your family's trajectory forever? You do, I know you do, I do too. So God, how do we do it? And this letter gives us three ways to do it. The essentials, can I say it a different way, of transformation. Because we're in the transformation business, praise be to God. Also, I wanna read from 1 Thessalonians chapter one. It's about a, 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 a book that we've been looking at as a group. And uh, what I loved about it is this introduction. But Paul, he writes to this church, it's like a family. And their faith has echoed around the world. There's something about this group of people that is countercultural. The rest of the world are looking up and going in. Not just church people, the world's looking in. And they're going, wow, how has that, that change happened to these ordinary people? They're going through great suffering and yet they have great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but that's when I wanna lean in and go, okay, God, please teach me. I need some practical tips. Well, let's read it together. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, and it starts verse one. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. I love that thought. Don't try harder, don't try and work it better. No, grace and peace to you. Verse two, he says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God, our God and Father, your work produced by faith. In other words, they've got a faith that works. Your labor prompted by love. They have a love that labors. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They've got a faith that works, a love that labors, and a hope that grips. Verse four, for we know, say we know. We know, brothers and sisters, we know, Link Church, that we are loved by God and that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply in words, but also with power. And we know, Link Church, that we are loved by God and chosen by Him. It wasn't us that chose God, it was Him that chose us. Just, I, just, I know we're pretty excited about later, aren't we? <laughs> Springbok supporters. We love rugby. I can, I just, something that happens in my house in these last three weeks, I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos around analysis of the Rugby World Cup coming up, you know? You wanna know performance, who's on each team, and, 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 and you know, I have that going, and Kath's making supper, and she goes like, is, there, is, is, there, is this all it is? I mean, that's all they talk about here is analysis, analysis, analysis. And it's like, it's almost so tiring. I mean, surely they're gonna get to the end of it. And I was like, no, 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 this is just the beginning. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's a bit like the gospel. You know, we have, we, we're just touching the surface. We're gonna go deeper into the gospel. I wanna tell you, friends, this living word is gonna be preached forever and ever and ever. And if that's the case, woo, we're just touching it. It's, and, and it's so good, there's still more to come. Like the average South African supporter that watches analysis of rugby videos on YouTube. But I wanna tell you, you see, here's the thing, and I've learned it recently. You know, you know, I'll just think of the New Zealanders, you know, like how we, how we, 
we beat them a couple of weeks ago. And, 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 then, and then they spoke about the ref, and then they spoke about a system that they actually invented. It's called the bunker system. Have you heard of it? If those of you don't know rugby, I'm just gonna inform you quickly. The bunker system is when a ref, when something happens on the field, and someone, uh, some, is, is, someone makes a mistake, there's head contact, whatever, what the ref does is he blows the whistle, and then he gives that person a yellow card, and he has to go and sit on a lonely chair off the field. And then while he sits on the chair, his performance gets reviewed upstairs in some rocket room. We don't know where it is. But they go over his performance. And for the next 10 minutes, they go, keep going over. His performance is a review, and then they give him a verdict. Either he's upgraded to a red card or whatever. And I thought to myself, you know what? To be honest in life, what the devil loves to do is we make a mistake or something happened in your past, and what he wants to do is put you on a lonely chair and put your performance under review. And you're constantly going in review. Oh, my marriage is not good enough. Oh, my, I'm a bad parent. I did this wrong in my career. And so what happens is you've been put on a chair and, on, and what the devil wants to do is to keep going over your performance. But I wanna tell you, friends, the rugby world and the world outside there and the devil, they always look at your performance to give you a verdict, but the gospel gives you a verdict before the performance. The gospel gives you the verdict before the performance. In other words, before you were born, Jesus Christ died for you, set you straight, justified you by faith, did everything you could never do so that you could live with freedom and, and, and run with freedom and play the game of your life. I wonder if there's some people in the room are going, my teenager is going through a rebellious stage and now I've lacked confidence because I also did that and so now I can't speak to it. You know what's happening? The devil's putting you in review and under performance. No, 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 no. I've been saved by Christ, anointed to be a parent, to speak courage into the next generation in spite of what I did. Something happened over your career and something happened in your past and he's limited you because you've got no more confidence. Friends, the gospel gives us confidence, not in ourselves, but in Christ who lives in me. The verdict before the performance. Woo, I pray that for the Springboks there that come out. Let's play. No, but you know what? I think sometimes the church, you know about the church? The church walk around hoping for permission. I felt like God said to Mark 6, he calls his disciples to him. You know what Jesus, they call him disciples? And then the first thing he does, he does, you know, what we do is we've been grown up going, can I get permission, Dad, to eat the sucker? Dad, can I, Dad, can I go to that party? Dad, or, or Mom, can I do that? We spend our lives to ask the teacher, please, can I go to the toilet? You know, we're always asking for permission. And you come to church and you do the same. Can I have permission to do this? Can I? Listen, permission's being granted. The green light is on. The green light is over your life. Stop waiting for permission. You just need to ask for power. Because you see, the thing we lack is not permission, it's God's power in us. So I wanna keep reading, because I only got halfway. <laughs> so he says, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you. We don't have a bunker system, we have a blessing system. I'm blessed. Not because what I came up, not because of my genetic family, not because I've got, I've got a gift from God. No, 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 I'm blessed because of the gospel. The gospel came to you, Link Church, not simply by words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is copy that. Copy that. Do you see what he said? You see, you see here, he said you've become imitators. It's one thing to be an admirer of God. It's a whole other thing to be an imitator of God. It's one thing to stand and be in awe of him. It's another thing to follow his example. The gospel is not just a declaration. The gospel is a demonstration. 
I wonder if the world out there aren't waiting for a statement. They're just waiting for, for, waiting for the church to show them what God looks like. I don't want to just be aware of him. I want to be an imitator of him. Now, just, just that word imitator, the Greek word is the word mimeos, which we get the root word in English for mimic or mime. Whew, and we all do this, don't we? Think of fathers and sons. What do they say? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you know the son that grows up and walks like you and talks like you and does that thing? And you know when the hammer drops and you go, wah, 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 wah. And then you know, you know what children do? They never listen to what you say. They always watch what you do. And then when the hammer drops for your little boy, he does the same thing that you said. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so you know what you do? That's what, that, we, we mimic, we mimic, we mom people. We mimic, we mimic our leaders. Link Church, come alive. The God-breathed life. We walk with a front confidence, not in ourselves, but in Christ. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. We mimic people in our community. In Belito. How's it, my bro? Hey, we, <laughs> we are nice and chilled here, Belito. Hey? Lacquered Vadisia. Hey? We battle to answer the phone on a Friday. <laughs> you know, and then if you go to Joburg, you walk with a quicker step. Why? Because, my man, you're going to get swallowed up if you don't. So you walk with a quick step because Joe Big is happy. You know, you know what I'm saying? We mimic those we hang around. Go to Cape Town. Woo, how's the mountain? You know, we live differently, surrounded by those people. Can I ask you a question? Who are you mimicking? Who are you imitating? Paul said, imitate me as I imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. Who am I, who am I mimicking? You know, uh, I, I don't know. Have you, you ever been in a police car before? <laughs> don't, don't put your hand up. <laughs> don't put your hand up. You've been in a police car before. Yeah, I love that. I, I have uh, surrounded, been there close. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I've been there, and you know, I love how the police, you know, when the police talk in the radio, like, Bravo 12, Bravo 12, copy that. You, you don't have a word, what they, you don't understand a word they're saying. It's like, Bravo, Bravo 12, copy that. And you, you're almost like, you, you, you don't understand their lingo. You, you can't get it, but what I did get was copy that. You know, when I grew up, we lived with farmers. We had two-way radios. We had a private channel and a public channel. Our call sign was Delta 12. Isn't it funny? You know, you, you, know, you have a normal voice you use, and then when you get a radio, it becomes deeper. <laughs> My radio voice. Uh, coming over. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's so true. And I had a friend of mine. He was Echo 6. So I'd go like, Delta 12, Delta 12, come in Echo 6. And then he would respond, Echo 6, receiving you over. And then I'd tell him, listen, I've got three uh, loads coming to your zone. And then he would reply, Echo 6, copy that. What does copy that mean? Copy that means I've heard it, I've understood it, and now I'm going to do it. I've heard it. You see, here's the assumption we make. Mm, Mark, great message today. I heard it, and then I think I've done it. But you haven't. Just because you've heard it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's faith. But faith has action attached to it. Faith has feet. Oh, I love Andy Stanley. You know what Andy Stanley says? He says, faith is more about doing than mooing. What do you reckon, Zach? Yeah, in the front row. You know what you do? You sit here and we go, mmm, mmm. Great word, pastor. Mmm, mmm, mmm. You know what you're doing? What am I doing, Zach? Mooing. I'm mooing, yes. I'm mooing. And so we go to home group and we go, yes, did you, did you hear that message on Sunday? Mmm. Mm, mm. And we move. We, we're moving. What, what are we doing? We're doing nothing. 
Why? Because faith has feet. Faith has to do with what you heard and now you do it. Copy that. Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. You know what he does? You're gonna have to help me at Link Church. You know what he does? He goes, now, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. What do we do? Copy that. Husbands, love your wives and provide for them. Link Church, copy that. Wives, respect your husbands, even when he's being a Charlie. Sorry, I can't hear you. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> copy that. What about this one? When someone hits you on this cheek, turn the other one. Copy that. <laughs> what about this one? Bless those who persecute you. Link Church, tell me. Copy that. Copy that. What about love your kamachis? No. Enemies. Copy. I wonder if the world out there is looking to see a church, a family, a marriage, that even when there's chaos all around, there's a church that imitates God. And that because they imitate and copy God, they go, oh my gosh, God has two feet. He's on this earth. There's an example. We're not called to just be admirers of the word. We're called to be doers of the word. We're not just called to be admirers of God. We're called to be imitators of God. Mimeos, mimic, copy that. So how can we copy it? Let's keep reading. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia. You see that? You became a model. Not a, not a, not a. Not a, I don't know, what do you walk on? A plank, I don't know. What a, a what? A what? A catwalk. Catwalk model, no. Not a catwalk model. Listen, listen, friends. Listen, copy that, not copy cat. Copy, copy the faith, not the fake. You see, when you get on Instagram and social media, you're gonna copy, you, you, you follow people you never met in their lives, but you wear their clothes and you walk like them, talk like them, since when? Don't copy the fake, copy the faith that was passed down to you in the gospel. <laughs> copy the faith. Copy the truth. Paul said, don't, no, no, don't look at the world around me, look at me as I imitate my Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how the world, you see the Bible says when they saw this, they added to their number daily. They were like, oh my gosh, the gospel's not just, you see the assumption Paul made was the world doesn't wanna hear the message, they wanna see the message. We have that privilege of doing it. And so they became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. Who's they themselves? They is the world, not the church. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. Ooh, I love how he ends this. He ends it all on Jesus, who was raised from the dead. If Jesus was raised from the dead, friends, you and I are invited to live a resurrected life. He raised him from the dead and you've been raised from the dead too and who rescues us from the coming wrath. My friends, Jesus Christ came to raise us and raise us to life, but he not only did that, he's gonna rescue us. Rescue us, look how he ends on Jesus. Three things, how do we change? Three essentials. Number one, the power we live on. Give it up right from the beginning, the power we live on. If you're taking notes, take notes. The power we live on. Number two, the practice we live by. Number three, the purpose we live for. 
slow it down. The power we live on, the practice we live by, and the purpose we live for. Power, practice, purpose. Live on, live by, live for. Live on, live by, live for. First one, the power we live on. Can I ask you a question? What power do you live on? Because I know in my, my own strength, you know what I wanna do? I wanna live on my mind power and my bootstrap power and my strength. But how, how many you know, have you ever had a moment with God? At the end of a service, you come through and you make some promises to God. You ever done that before? Oh God, I'm gonna go, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna promise God. I'm gonna go and evangelize my whole building. And by Wednesday, you haven't left the building. I'm gonna go to Somalia and preach the gospel, God. I'll make a promise to you. By Thursday, you haven't even left your room. It's the same thing. We make promises, don't we? And by Wednesday, it feels like we failed. And so what we do is we go, oh, well, you know what? This isn't for me. It's only for the super Christians, this Christianity. But you know why? Because we can't do it with our own strength. We need God's power. Watch what it said here. It said, it said, it said this. He said, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply by words, but also with power. Friends, the gospel is not just to be explained, it's to be experienced with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Where does my power come from? The Holy Spirit. There is a power. You notice Jesus, he takes his 28, his disciples, Matthew 28, and he says, now go into the world and baptize people and make disciples of people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he says, before you go, wait in Jerusalem. Why? Because disciples, link church, you need power first. Acts 1 verse 8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna receive power. You know, Jesus, when he preached the first sermon on the mount, he, the, the level, he, he, he said, I've come to fulfill the law. And the religious people thought they were keeping the 613 laws, so they were good. And then he just ramped it up. Why did he ramp it up? He showed us that we, we can't do it in our own strength. We need the grace of God. And the grace of God is given to us by the Holy Spirit that comes to live in your heart. Can I, can I, can, do you know why we need power to live on? Because friends, you know, that gospel of when you come to be a Christian, everything's gonna go well in your life, you can live happy ever after is not in the Bible. In fact, in fact, it says you're gonna go through tough times. You're gonna go through some suffering. You're gonna go through times that you didn't explain. But you know what? That's why we need the power. That's why we can't do our own strength. You can have moments in your marriage where you feel like it's dark. But I wanna tell you, God wants to do something in you before he does something through you. In you, someone once said this to me recently. She said, listen, the gospel, God never get, adds on to a life. He always adds in. He hasn't come to burden your life. He's come to get in you. And the Holy Spirit, in a very personal way, has come to get in your heart. Will you let him in? You know that the Holy Spirit is just like our salvation, a gift. You just need to unwrap it and ask for it. The Bible says, we who are evil give good gifts to our children, how much more our heavenly Father wants to give us the Holy Spirit and pour it into our hearts with love. What does the Holy Spirit do? It comes into my heart, and you know what it does? It reassures me, it convinces me. You see that deep conviction? A deep conviction, the value God places on me and how much He loves me. You know, if I look through in history, I've seen people that have been touched by the Holy Spirit. This is not just a phenomenon 2023, or back in the early church days in Acts chapter one, that's where it stays. No, the Holy Spirit, in a very personal and powerful way, wants to come into your life. There's a story of an old evangelist, D.L. Moody. 18th century, 
He, was a, he studied theology, felt the call to go into ministry, and he used to do a Friday night meeting. First Friday night, he gets up and he preaches, and two old Methodist ladies in the back row come to him after and says, D.L. Moody, we are praying for you. He said, thank you so much. They came a second week, a third week, same message. D.L. Moody, after the message, we're praying for you. By the fifth time, D.L. Moody looks at them and says, why are you praying for me? The little old Methodist lady looked up with his sparkly blue eyes and said, we're praying that God would fill you with his power. And that day, D.L. Moody got on his knees and he said, he asked, he said, will you pray that I fill me with his Holy Spirit? But nothing happened. A week later, he's walking in New York in Manhattan Island, one of the streets, he's walking out at midday. God comes in a powerful way into his heart in a way he could never describe again. He had to find a friend's home and for three hours, God met with him in a way that he'd never met before. A personal Holy Spirit moment. In fact, after three hours, he had to ask God to stop. It was so beautiful. And you know, from that moment on, his ministry went from just, I'm gonna do it in DL Moody strength to allow God's power to work through him. And he touched thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. They said, when he, they said, when you walked into a room and DL Moody was there, it felt the power of God. Can I say it another way? God wants to anoint you. And anointing happens not because I muster up, but the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you in such a personal way. There's another man by the name of Blaise Pascal. He was a French philosopher, a bright guy. He was, a, a, I couldn't think of the first name, the way, what he did, but he was a scientist and he had he, philanthropy. He was an incredible brain. But he said to this, he said, you know, it's one thing to, to have knowledge of God. It's a whole nother thing to know God. And the same way as he searched scientific researchers and did all that is the same way he searched the word of God. He said, God, if it be true, if I read the book of Acts, then that Holy Spirit is also for me too. I wanna read you a story that he writes of his account. From 1654, one evening in 1654, he met God. And this is what he wrote about the experience. The year of grace, 1654, Monday the 23rd of November. From half past 10 in the evening till about half past midnight, fire. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Not of the philosophers and intellectuals. Conviction, conviction. Feeling, joy. Peace, joy, joy. Tears of joy. Renunciation, total and sweet. Complete submission to Jesus Christ. He recorded the experience called the memorial on a piece of parchment which he carried with him for the rest of his life sewed into his coat. And you know what he wrote in his memoirs? He said on that day in 1654 on the 23rd of November, God rocked my world. He changed me from the inside out. A liquid love was poured into him. It reminds me of when I first got saved. I'd, uh, you know, as a new Christian, you're basically reading the Bible and you're looking at Acts and you're going, wow, this is amazing. I remember me saying, God, if the Holy Spirit is true, is it not true for us today? And I remember, he, you know, it's funny when you first get saved, you do what, you know, God speaks and you go. I remember God said to me, listen, the first thing I want you to do is start a prayer meeting. I said, are you sure, God? Because I don't even know how to pray. I can pray grace. For what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. That's where it ended. So he said, no, I want you to go down. There were five churches in this area in Belito back then in the early, late 90s. He said, I want you to go and, 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 and get the five guys and start a prayer meeting. So I arrived at this guy's house. His dog nearly killed me, but I got to the front door and I said, hi, my name's Mark. Never met before. He said, oh, yes. I said, Lord, I felt like God said to me, start a prayer meeting. And he looked at me. He said, that's awesome. 
when do you want to start? I was like, are you sure it's me? I don't know. When do you want to start? Anyway, so we started. We started praying together the first Tuesday. It was the third Tuesday, and I was going to leave this meeting. I'd had a long day on the farm. I was tired. I had nothing in me, nothing. Drove down to Belito, walked into the room, and I thought to myself, this is going to be the shortest prayer meeting in history. And so as I got there, we were about to start like this, and this guy, these, the doors opened, and these two guys walked in with guitars. This friend of mine tapped me and said, sorry, I forgot to tell you, I invited these guys to lead worship. I'm thinking, no one knows the words. How are we going to sing now? But I thought to myself, I haven't got much to pray, so let these guys sing. And so anyway, these guys started to sing. They started on the guitar, and it felt like, can I just say, the glory of God came into the room. In such a beautiful, it felt like, you know when Moses went on a mountain, there was a cloud? It felt in a moment that God came in, and you know what it felt like? Like liquid love being poured into our hearts, every single one of us in that room. And you know, the normal prayer meeting would have lasted half an hour. But at 11 o'clock that night, we finally said, amen. God, there's too much here. And I remember getting in my car and driving and tears running down my face, going like this, you know what? And the words of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who said this, when you are baptized from power on high, this is the result that you will know because you know, because you know, because you know that God loves you. Can I ask you this morning, which power do you live on? What power are you living on? Because the gospel says there is a power from on high that you and I, if you ask, you shall receive. Keep asking. You say, well, it hasn't happened to me. Keep asking. God will put his spirit inside in such a personal way. Why? Because he wants to give you an assurance of your faith. The power we live on. The second is the practices we live by. The practices we live by. Notice what it said here. They had a faith that works, a love that labors, and a hope that grips. You see what I said earlier? The gospel is not just I'm aware of God. I'm an imitator of it. In other words, the gap between my belief and my behavior happens with what I do. I practice it out. So what are some of the practices we can do? It's interesting, you know, I think, to be honest, we've been brought up in, a, in an environment and it, 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 we've happened, we've done it, this, it's so true for us. We've been to school most of our years, you know, 12 years, and, uh, and, and what happens at school? You know what happens at school? You get a teacher that teaches you and you sit in rows. They teach you, teach you, and then what do you do in the break? You get into circles. You get into relationship. You, go, you, you share your sandwiches with each other. You give each other high five. I remember my mother used to make me peanut butter and jam sandwiches ad finitum, but my friend, he had poloni with tomato sauce and white bread. Unbelievable. But, but, but you know what? You know what you did? You see, and you, you see some people go, you see, here's what God's designed you for. You see the church. We, you know what we're in now? You're listening to me. You're all in rows. But friends, the early church met at their temples and in their homes. They met in rows and in circles. And it's in circles that we actually build the greatest thing we can ever do. We learn how to love one another. You and I were born for relationships. We were born for that. We were born for close, connected relationships. The challenges from grade one to 12, and some of us have done tertiary education, and we've studied degrees, and we've done finance and trigonometry and every other nometry, and we've done all those things, but no one, no one for one moment spoken to the most successful thing you can do in your life is how do you connect with people? No one ever spoke to us about how we relate to people. That in your life is the most successful thing that'll be given in your life. And God goes, listen, I designed the church so that you wouldn't just be here on a Sunday. Look, if you're on a Sunday, the, the Bible says, someone brings a word, someone brings a prophetic, someone brings some sandwiches, someone does that. When can you do that? You can't do that on a Sunday. Imagine someone got up here and said, I have a word. I said, no, no, not today. 
Because we were designed to get into community, into smaller groups of people. Therein lies the affection. Therein lies how to learn to love. C.S. Lewis, he spoke about four kinds of love. The first love is eros love. It's romantic love. Second is philia love. For Philadelphia, it's, it's friendship love. Third is agape love. The love, the unconditional love of God. The fourth one is storge love. Storge love has to do with brotherly affection. It's the bond between a mother and a child. It's deep. There's a brotherly affection. Friends, we wouldn't be in this church today if it wasn't for the connection that we have because of Jesus Christ. We look the different, we act different, we have different bank accounts, we have different houses, but because of a deeper bond. You see, brothers are bonded by blood. You and I are bonded by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we were born into relationship. We were born to do it together. But God's given us the ability to labor in love. And how do we do that? We connect with one another. It's the storge love. And you know, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, this, this love, the fourth love, has a particular glory about it. Now, if you've been in a group before, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because when you walk out that room, you go, oh my gosh, what just happened there? You know what that is? You know what happened then? Jesus met with his people. Because when you meet in a storge love, there's gonna be a particular glory that God brings to your life. So you're thinking to me, well, you know what? It's one thing to labor in love. I like the idea of love. You know, I like the idea of coming to church, but I actually don't like the, like the idea of getting into a small group. You know, here in Belito, we like a bubble. A lot of entrepreneurs come here. They've got big ideas. They love it, you know? You know what we like to do in Belito? We like to come together, share our opinions, and then we're gonna live as we please. But that's not the gospel. The gospel designed it so that we would grub up with each other, that we would love each other with a brotherly affection. This is where we learn to love. How do I change? It's by the practices I live by. Can I give you some help around that practically? Some C's. The last time I gave you A's, C's better. It's my average. C's. Number one, be courageous. It's gonna take courage. It's gonna take courage to get into a relationship with someone or to, to arrive at a group, to get into involved. It's gonna take courage. Jesus said in Mark 6.30, he says, he said, take, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Why does it take courage to get into relationships? Because you know what? We're often fearful. Fear of rejection. Fear of what I have is not good enough. Fear of being manipulated. Fear, we fear. But listen, perfect love casts out fear. The Bible says that we haven't got the spirit of fear, we've got the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. You have what it takes to be in relationship. Take courage. The second one is, it's a superpower, be considerate. Considerate. Considerate is I seek to understand before I seek to be understood. In other words, I'm gonna speak less and listen more. I wanna lean, I wanna lean into others and what they have to say. But you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes one of the things we happen is like, no, I don't wanna be in a group because I'm gonna go and deal with all these needy people and I don't wanna solve their problems. Well, newsflash, most people don't want their problems solved. They just want someone to listen to. Isn't that true? They just wanna be listened to. There are two important principles about in this world. Number one, the world doesn't revolve around you. Just as a hand would be put in a bucket of water and you pull it out, that's how easily you get replaced. You know that the, this, if you think of it, the, 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 the earth goes around the sun, not the other way around. We, you and I, we, we travel around the sun, the glory of God. We live for Him. This is where we've been invited to. The second thing is, when you look to the interests of other people, God will take care of you. To be considerate is say, I'm gonna lay down my life for others so that God can take care 
of me. Third one, be constructive in your words. Take courage, be considered constructive in your words. Your words have great power. Ephesians 4 says, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but build one another up. Build you up. Your words have carried great power in your marriage, with your children, in your groups. Wherever you go, build one another up with your words. The fourth one is be candid. Candid is to be honest. You know, every genuine and healthy relationship is built on honesty and not flattery. How many know that we need an honest friend in our lives? You know, we can't see our backsides in life. You know that we can't. We can't see our blind spots or our bald spots. We need someone else to look at us and go like, hey, you got some spinach in your teeth. We, you, you need someone else. You need to see genuine, healthy relationships. Don't pat each other like you're being a Charlie and keep going, you know. Well, you're doing well. No, we need, we need people alongside us that speak honest truth into our lives. Why? Because that's what love is. Love wants to see the best in other people. When we're honest with one another, that's where it starts. Here's a thought. You're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you're honest. Be honest. That's where repentance starts. God, this is where I'm honest. Here's what I am. You know, the Bible has a beautiful thing. It says, confess your sins to one another and he will heal you. You'll be healed. Notice it doesn't say confess your sins to God. God already knows. He doesn't say confess your sins to your pastor. He says to one another. Where does that happen? In relationships. And you know, when we think confess your sins, we think, hey, go back to 1994 when I looked in the scope. That's not what he's talking about. He's not, he's not talking, confess your sins is to go, you know what, I had a bad day today. You're just being honest. You know, what, you know what, last Thursday, I just had a tough day. I had a tough week at business. You know what you're doing? You're just being honest. When you're honest with each other, you know what God says? Two things. One, I'll give you a fresh start. Two, I'm gonna heal you emotionally. You see, 99% of our healing is not physical, it's emotional. And God says, I'll heal you when you do it with each other. That's why you were born for relationships. That's why we move out of rows into circles. Who's your circle? Who are your friends? Who are you doing life with? What group are you in? Because to the degree to which you practice it, you will change. Last one, we're gonna close. Last one, the purpose we live for. You know, I just love this thought. He says, and they turn to the living God from their idols. And you know what we do? We, the prefix is important, from, to. Well, you know what we do? They turn to, from. What we do is we turn from, to. We go from the iPhone 9 to the iPhone 10. We go from the house over here to the house. Another example, we go from the Land Rover to the Toyota. You know what we do? We tend to, we tend to, we tend to go upgrade. We're always looking for an upgrade. Go from to, from to. And then we realize when we get old enough that it's never been about the change in location. It's what I carry inside of me. And you know what this church did? The reason the world looked around them and said, oh my gosh, look at these guys. You know why? They turned to the living God from their idols. You see, you can't get rid of your idols. You just need to replace it with something more beautiful. You know, just to close in the story, I don't know whether you guys did Shakespeare at school. Anyone, Macbeth, Julius Caesar, et tu brute. And you, some of you are winking at the nervous, like, that was dangerous. But, but, but uh, you know, there was a story, Romeo and Juliet. You know, Romeo, but before there was Romeo and Juliet, there's Romeo and Rosalind. I didn't realize that. Romeo fell, Romeo fell in love with Rosalind. And he loved Rosalind. He was like, whoa. He says, oh, I have never seen such beauty in thy moon before. He was like, his, his language was like, he was just loved her with so much. He's like, Rosalind took his breath away. 
And you know, so much so, he spoke about Rosalind and irritated his friend, his close friend called Benvolio. Who names your child Benvolio? Anyway, Benvolio. And Benvolio turned to Romeo and he said, listen here, Romeo, I'm tired of you going on about Rosalind. I'm gonna take you to a party next Friday night. I'm gonna show you another hundred girls that are far more beautiful than Rosalind. And so then Romeo went, no, he didn't. He said, yeah, let's go. And they went to a party there on that Friday night and there's Romeo. Can you imagine Romeo walks in with Benvolio and he walks in, I can imagine it was this open, like this, 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 this um, beautiful uh, um, sort of palace and then there was a second floor and, and they walked in there, these guys dancing and I reckon Bruno Mars was going, you know, you're amazing just the way you are. And Romeo, he used to stand there like this and Benvolio is looking around and Benvolio is looking at Romeo going, I told you, my man, I told you. And he's standing there and he's looking at but he's still got Rosalind, he's still got Rosalind and then he looks up on the balcony and this moon shaft pulls in and he sees Juliet for the first time. Can I read you what he said? He looks at Juliet for the first time and he says, oh, she doth teach the torches to burn bright. It seems she hangs upon the cheek of night as a rich jewel in an Ethiopia's ear, beauty too rich for use for earth too dear. So slow a snowy dove trooping with crows as yonder lady over her fellow shows. The measure done, I'll watch her place of stand and touching hers make blessed my hand. Did my heart love till now? Falls where it sat, for I never saw beauty till this night. Can I ask you a question? What happened to Rosalind? You can't get rid of your idols, but you can replace them with something far more beautiful. We don't see Juliet, we see Jesus. Open my eyes, Lord, to see how beautiful you are. The one who died for us and rescued us. The one who invited us into a story we never had of for ourselves. Look what Jesus did for you and I. He went on the cross. He was cursed so that you and I might be blessed forever and ever. Why don't you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you.